Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome to Jetpacks are overrated. Hello, this is Seamus Byrne. Welcome to another Jetpacks are overrated. This week, I wanted to explore something that I've been looking at quite a lot of lately uh, around the tech scene, and it's really this big question of privacy. It keeps coming up again and again and again at the moment, uh, and I wanted to kind of dig into specifically the way that Apple has actually been dealing with this situation because I do think that it's really important, and I think there's some confusion, um, some... Sometimes I feel like calling it misinformation. I feel like there's a lot of people who keep trying to to play the same uh, discussion around that idea that Apple potentially might be just as bad as Google or Facebook uh, if for some reason they decided to to change things around down the track, if if things somehow change in the market. So I wanted to really talk about that idea of Apple's war for privacy, not on privacy, not sort of anything else, but I think Apple's really started to take this position uh, that they want to change the idea of just kind of talking about privacy as kind of as a feature, as something that they offer as part of of that larger service um, that is buying an Apple product um, and actually turning it into a service in its own right. Um, so let's kind of take a couple of steps back here. I, like a few weeks ago, I went to WWDC, the Worldwide Developer Conference. Uh, Apple hosted me uh, to be able to go to the event. And um, it was the first time I'd been to uh, WWDC. And what was kind of really fascinating part of that was I, I managed to get to go to a few of the sessions specifically about programming for privacy and tried to sort of look at at the way that Apple is talking to developers at the moment about this whole question of of, of privacy and what should be done about it on their platforms uh, and the ways in which that they're changing the rules for developers, um, which is a really sort of interesting part of the whole discussion. So I think 
the starting point is clearly the keynote event at their event. In fact, the, the starting point goes a lot further back, clearly. Apple, for a very long time, has been starting to foreground the idea that that you, the person who buys an Apple product, is Apple's customer. They are not an advertising company as their primary revenue system. And it really started to be that sort of way in which they're trying to separate themselves from Facebook and Google, their key rivals. Uh, and I mean, interesting in its own way that Microsoft is no longer that sort of key rival in that sense. But Microsoft is also one of those more traditional companies that is about selling you products. And at this stage, it's about selling you, you know, a, a lovely Office 365 subscription that works across all platforms. Um, but, you know, Microsoft wants your money. And in return, they give you products. And Apple wants your money. And in return, they give you products. Uh, Facebook and Google, for the most part, from consumers at least, they don't want your money. They want you to be part of their ecosystem. They want to provide you with valuable services that means you're you're excited and you want to be part of their platform. Uh, but in exchange, they want to let other people sell ads targeting you. So anyway, the keynote there at the at the uh, WWDC this year really kind of had. Uh, one of the big surprises of it was definitely the launch of sign in with Apple. This idea that uh, you you will be able to use your Apple ID to sign into a lot of different software that currently might be already using the either the Facebook sign in or the Google sign in types of systems, and instead. Uh, this would allow you to use Apple ID with the idea that Apple ID is actually going to protect your privacy more than sort of other platforms of those, essentially Google and Facebook login type systems, uh, keep dropping more tracking cookies as part of that whole sort of ecosystem of tracking cookies that are kind of everywhere on the web. Uh, and instead, this is about sort of saying, look, all we're going to provide to the other side of this equation is a verification that, yes, this person is a legitimate user uh, and you don't have to worry about any other details, just you can trust that Apple has verified that this person exists and is real uh, and and then you can kind of build more of a relationship with them after that point. But the really clever aspects of signing with Apple ID, uh, sign in with Apple as it's just called as a system, uh, is is the two strengths of uh, it, it won't be dropping all sorts of tracking cookies. It won't be allowing somebody to track you based on your, your being logged in through Apple. Uh, and the really kind of exciting part is the idea that it will let you create a randomized email address so that that company doesn't get to keep your email. And at some point down the track, potentially sell it to other people if you know, their core business goes sideways and and someone else buys them out. And one of the classic sort of parts of being bought out is if you've built enough of a user base, just the very idea of being able to get hold of, uh, of a very large list of potential customers uh, these days can be in itself considered a great reason to buy, to buy another company out. 
So instead, you can create a randomized address and at any point down the track, you can decide to cut off that address and cut off ties to the company that you've decided to sample their product and and you've moved on. So yeah, really, really interesting idea. And, and yeah, the thing that kind of really sort of got me feeling weird about just some of the coverage of it is that idea that people have seen it as like a giant uh, play to attack Google and Facebook. And there's no question it's an attack on their dominance on the web, but that somehow this is going to be a play by Apple to actually take over and become that new pool of a gigantic database of contacts uh, attached to sort of things all over the web and all over apps and maybe one day turn into this this other tracking system that they could flip a switch on because you know maybe if they can't sell as many iPhones then then they'll now have all their tendrils around the web uh, and it completely misses the point that this is privacy by design, that it's actually set up in a way that there is essentially no switch to flip, that everything about the way in which it's passing data to this other company and the way in which it is hosting and storing its own data uh, does not actually uh, you know, provide the kinds of information or set up the kinds of information scenario where they can flick a switch. They would have to rebuild the entire system if they wanted to add tracking at some later point. It's just, it's critically different. And and one of the really big things I think we need to step back to is the idea that Tim Cook uh, late last year was one of the first times, well, you know, the, again, there's been a lot of privacy talk for a long time, but late last year, he made a speech uh, that really emphasized this idea of moving towards data minimization. And I think this is a really huge term as we move forward with what is going to change in the way that general users are starting to appreciate uh, what privacy will mean in the long term. And that's the idea that instead of worrying so much about how our data is being protected or how it's being shared instead moving to the point where we start to say i don't want my data to exist in that space in the first place and and that's where data minimization comes in the idea that we should just stop the data collection from happening in the first place and promoting that idea that less data is actually not only uh, better for us users, but actually for a lot of business cases, it's a safer way to build the product in the first place. So I think that's a really interesting point. And that was something that I started to see when I went to uh, some of the the sort of privacy-focused uh, sessions at the Worldwide Developer Conference. It was the idea that they were starting to to speak to their developers about that idea that if you don't have to worry about the storage of user data, and particularly with all of those aspects of needing to protect that data once you own it and once you have to uh, store it carefully and securely and in encrypted fashion and all those kinds of issues that are an important part of protecting people's data. But instead, if you're starting to use a sign-in system like Apple ID and and only keeping minimal information, then it actually makes your business easier as well. 
and so yeah, Apple was really kind of showing off some of the kind of the the new features that they've been building into iOS and the ways in which that they've been coming up with really highly technical solutions, but technical solutions that are about removing uh, the ability for things to ever be sort of you know re. Uh, de-anonymized, I guess is that sort of good way of putting it. So um, you're pointing to that idea of like the Find My Mac system that they announced the, uh, that will be coming to uh, Mac OS, uh, you know, the next version of Mac OS. Uh, and it's this incredible system where you'll be able to have your Mac, even if it's, you know, in sleep mode, but as something that doesn't send out information in the way that a phone does, having passing Bluetooth connections, being able to pick up an encrypted signal, have the person on that phone not even know that that's happened, have that phone be able to uh, route that signal through to the Apple servers and then get a message to you, uh, but then not even have the Apple servers know how these pieces of information are connected and in no way identify the person who was walking past your device that managed to relay that signal. Um, it was a really, really interesting sort of demo that they showed, uh, you know, as, as a really cool way to actually help people out in this kind of a situation. But yeah, I think when we think back to that basic idea of Apple trying to actually promote to its own developers that not collecting information is actually starting to become a business advantage. Uh, I think that's going to be a really sort of interesting part. And one, yeah, one of those other aspects that they were showing during one of these sessions I, I sat in on um, was the idea that they're removing a lot of tools from developers that have been kind of abused into being another part of the whole tracking system. So one of these was the case of uh, people using Bluetooth, people using Wi-Fi, uh, these kinds of systems as de facto uh, location systems. So apparently there are like databases out there that have have collected uh, MAC addresses of routers, of Wi-Fi hotspots, uh, and have added location tagging information that's been collected through other systems to tie those together uh, and start to build those kinds of fingerprints of where somebody might be based on just Wi-Fi and even Bluetooth connection type information. So one of the things that Apple is doing is saying that in iOS 13, a lot of these uh, track, a lot of these essentially systems that someone could just code into their uh, into their app, they will be removed unless there is a clear reason for the app to know that information. So an app that right now might have been collecting the name of a Wi-Fi hotspot and its MAC address because they've been starting to fingerprint it, that app next time around might only be able to know that, yes, you are connected to the internet. That's all it needs to know to perform its functions. And unless that app, say, is actually about modifying details of that hotspot, uh, then that app will not be allowed to to see that information. So a really interesting sort of step towards cutting back what kinds of data an app can even access in order to improve the experience for a user so that we can trust a little bit more. Same goes with location information. That shift in iOS 13 is going to be about uh, telling a user that actually uh, you 
uh, sorry, yeah, actually telling the user that right, like right now, an app can ask for permission to always use, uh, always use location. And it's something that, you know, even though I think Apple does a great job of contextual uh, information, and that's that idea that, you know, it will only ask uh, if you want to give an app permission to do something right at the moment where the app wants to actually do it. And so if you know that like a, you know, a mapping app, you know, yeah, that's handy. I, I know I want to always let this app use uh, my location information because it's all about mapping. But then by having said always use uh, under the, the sort of current and older systems, uh, that would mean that in the middle of the night, that app might decide it wants to share some information out to the web and it's allowed to do so at the moment. Now that's going to change so that all you will be able to give permission for first and foremost is, is, to, is to only use while, uh, while the app is active uh, you can also you will also be able to say only give permission once, and that way every single time that app wants uh, to use it, you can keep saying only give it only give it permission once, only give it permission once, uh, as a way to maybe you know just test something out the first time you want to try it. I'm not sure if I trust this yet. I'll give it permission just this once. I'll see how valuable uh, that information is for me to be able to have that kind of access and then I'll I'll pass that back uh you know and then maybe down the track I'll say you know okay I trust this a bit more but the really cool shift here is that if any app wants to use location in the background when you're not directly looking at it when you're not specifically looking at it then you will get that pop up that says hmm this app is trying to use location information in the background do you want to let it do that and that's a great shift because it will actually start to sort of give you that secondary backup moment of, do I trust this? Do I actually want it to do this? I'm really not sure if I do. Uh, and then you can sort of change change what you're thinking about with that. Uh, and, and apparently that will actually come up a little bit more often. So uh, maybe you've given permission for it to, to use location in the background, um, but then it will give you a periodic reminder that this is something you have let an app do, which is a really great way because, of course, so often we will download an app or use it for a while, but then we just stop using it. Getting that periodic reminder that some like app you stopped using three months ago uh, is trying to send out some information in the background uh, when you have not used it any time recently, uh, a nice trigger for you to go, let's just get rid of those permissions right now. Stop it from doing that ever again. Uh, so look, I think, yeah, I really you know, find it interesting that what we're seeing here is a kind of a fundamental shift here for for Apple to also force its own developers to start taking privacy more seriously in order to for Apple to be able to keep claiming that it is trying to push uh, privacy into a completely different space as well. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So I think it's worth kind of pointing to a few key quotes of just how hard Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, has started to really go on this whole privacy question. Uh, Late last year, he made a speech to the, I'm trying to remember what the group was called. Basically, it was a privacy conference. Uh, And he was talking about questions like the data industrial complex and talking about the military position, uh, sorry, weaponized against us with military efficiency. He's talking about these kinds of sort of questions around where we are at when it comes to keeping our information private. Uh, you know, platforms, and this is a quote, platforms and algorithms that promise to improve our lives can actually magnify our worst human tendencies, said Cook. Rogue actors and even governments have taken advantage of user trust to deepen divisions, incite violence, and even undermine our shared sense of what is true and what is false. The crisis is real. It is not imagined or exaggerated or crazy. So this is the kind of language that the CEO of Apple is applying to this whole question of privacy. And I think it's a really, really important thing to, to grasp that, that this company is now committing in a way that says privacy starts to be more than just a feature of our products. They want to start making you feel like privacy is a service that they are genuinely offering you as a user of their platforms and their products. Uh, They have started to sort of make so many different moves to just emphasize that idea of protecting your data so that essentially the data doesn't leave your device, that what the data you create stays with you and the data that you put out there in the world is completely your choice, but also something that you can minimize in really strict and important ways uh you know he talked about privacy being a human right uh i think early in 2018 so this keeps coming back again and again and again as something he's emphasizing uh i wanted to also just highlight a really really great uh article that i also saw recently um by uh let's find it it's called the new wilderness um and yeah, it's by uh, a writer named uh, Marce Sigwowski. And he is one of the founders, well, the founder of, of Pinboard, a really helpful bookmarking tool uh, that you can get online. Um, but he wrote a brilliant thing about and, and really raised this idea of what we call ambient privacy. Because he's saying that the, just the word privacy alone just doesn't cut it anymore because so much has changed uh, that the traditional use of the word privacy is basically just it no longer applies to what's happening to our information uh, online and through these sort of systems. There's a couple of, I'll just kind of 
quote this little section of the his piece because I think it's fantastic and I'll link it in the show notes too. Uh, yeah, part of the answer to these problems is a defect in the language you use to talk about privacy. That language, especially as it is codified in law, is not adequate for the new reality of ubiquitous mechanized surveillance. In the eyes of regulators, privacy still means what it did in the 18th century, protecting specific categories of personal data or communications between individuals from unauthorized disclosure. We're saying seen in this light, the giant tech companies can make a credible claim to be the defenders of privacy, just like a dragon can truthfully boast that it is good at protecting its hoard of gold. Nobody spends more money securing user data or does it more effectively than Facebook and Google. The question we need to ask is not whether our data is safe, but why there is suddenly so much of it that needs protecting. The problem with the dragon, after all, is not its stockpile stewardship, but its appetite. I think it's just a brilliant way to sort of think about that whole idea that this stockpile of data is the problem in the first place. And that's, I think, the really interesting part about the idea that we have one of the biggest companies in the world starting to genuinely champion that idea of, of removing the data from the from the pool in the first place. And so with a lot of these other kind of moves we've been seeing, when I kind of circle back now to that idea of sign-in with Apple, I think a lot more people should really be trying to appreciate the fact that this is going to be something that has quite a common good out there for, for anybody because you don't have to own an iPhone to create an Apple ID and potentially use that Apple ID for a sign-in with Apple service in places around the web. Because this isn't going to just be in apps. It is going to be on the web. And look, I think there is absolutely a big kind of question around the whole sort of enforced uh, application of signing with Apple ID. And that's the idea that Apple is actually saying, if you offer signing with Google or signing with Facebook or any other kind of a sign-in service that is a third-party sign-in, then as an app developer, you will have to also add signing with Apple to your product. There is going to be a bit of a, I think, a difficulty here. And one of those things is the idea that what if you have a customer who already uses the Google or the Facebook sign-in and now they're presented with sign-in with Apple, how do you make that user profile data cross over between the two? Because you kind of can't in that the idea of signing with Apple is going to be that it it shouldn't be trying to match one profile to another profile because essentially then you're creating the fingerprint that that everybody else wants. Um, but that's going to be a weird moment for a lot of users if they use signing with Apple and then suddenly go, where did all my settings go? That's going to be a problem that some people are going to deal with and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But aside from that, I think there is a good a common good here for for so many people that that there is going to be a new competitor in just the whole web sign on space that is going to be about privacy by design and i think that's a really really important sort of shift here um yeah that could be good for everybody it's and i think it's worth pointing to an update that they've made to Safari recently that also, uh, and other new updates that are coming in the next version of Mac OS, where uh, Safari, they've been designing a new idea 
for giving acknowledgement to an advertisement having led to a uh, led to a sale because of course a lot of ads are not just click based but uh, but are about conversions so if someone clicks if someone views an ad on my web page and then uh, has clicked through but then like it's a week later that they go and actually buy something there's some tracking that can take place there that can then give an acknowledgement that the page that that somebody found the other sort of website through uh, you know, did lead to a conversion, to a sale of some kind. Apple has actually designed a new kind of a tracking system uh, that they want to make a kind of a web, a potential web standard where the acknowledgement can still be given but without having to track the user the entire way through and to essentially anonymize part of that process so that a website can still get acknowledgement as being the source of a sale without the user having to be tracked through the entire process. Uh, even little details like setting up this system so that when the when the the acknowledgement of the uh, of the sale uh, is sort of fed through, that will actually be delayed by between 24 and 48 hours to stop it being used as a potential fingerprinting technique. All these kinds of little details, and they're submitting this to the W3C, that's the, the World Wide Web Consortium uh, that basically manages web standards. They kind of, you know, this is another one of these pieces of work where they are trying to, to help create new things for the web and to put it out there as a potential new standard because, you know, in many respects, even if you want to be cynical about it, the cynical aspect is saying, yes, by reducing the power of Facebook and Google, that probably helps part of Apple's business. But that doesn't change the fact that that is also helping everybody else feel a little bit less tracked by those two companies all over the web and just reducing that kind of creepy factor uh, more and more. Uh, so, look, I think there is just such a great sort of opportunity out there when it comes to this turning around of, you know, we are now so much more aware of just how deep the tracking goes of the fact that it is selling us as products to advertisers that the tendrils are everywhere embedded in websites and between people like Firefox and then also Apple with uh, with Safari that it is great to see these sorts of companies you know i think firefox you know deserves its own mention here that absolutely it's been you know one of the long time players out there trying to sort of make the web a better place um it it faltered for a long time in between but its newest versions of the firefox browser are starting to do a really good job of reemphasizing those kinds of core ideas of privacy and security for those of us who use the web. Uh, so lots of kind of really positive things out there right now. But really this, this episode is about trying to just focus on that idea that I think people don't need to be quite so cynical about why Apple is, is trying to kind of push this privacy angle. You know, they really are, yes, it does. It suits their business model. That's entirely based on the idea that when you buy a product from Apple, you buy the you are their customer, and that's a really important part of the difference here between why they are good for 
the nature of privacy compared to their key competitors. And of course, there's plenty of things. I still use an awful lot of Google products every day. I still use Facebook uh, and and I use them in ways because I know I get really good value from them. But it still doesn't change the fact that I want to be tracked less. I want to reduce so many different parts of my web footprint uh, and getting creepy ads is creepy. It's just it's just the way it works. So I want to you know just see a little bit more of that sense that there is a common good being offered here by Apple, and I I just hope that people see that there's that potential where even if you don't spend money with Apple, the fight back that they are sort of trying to champion here is helpful to all of us because in the end they are never going to be bought out by Facebook. They are not going to be bought out by Google. They have the scale to be able to take this fight to the others in a way that won't just see see it fall down one day because in the end there are a couple of startup founders that that just want to kind of move on and, and cash out and get their get their you know millions of dollars to to go and retire or something crazy like that. So keeping that in mind, I think this Apple war for privacy is going to be a really good thing and to to continue watching them. Uh, push their own developers to make privacy more more at the forefront and to push Facebook and Google to essentially have to respond in many ways. And clearly we're seeing them trying to talk the talk, even if they're not quite walking the walk. Uh, they know that that the uh, you know that the tide is turning and that that average people out there want less of this stuff going around. There's some stat interesting stats out there about apparently Facebook's usage starting to genuinely drop because with all the privacy scares and with all the scandals that people are actually starting to opt out and they are starting to choose other things. Now, their overall user base might be still looking like they've got you know 2 billion people well and truly locked in, uh, but a lot of those stats point to the idea that it's people in parts of the world that don't make it as much money uh, where the main people are continuing to use it. And in more lucrative Western markets is where things are starting to fall off. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out over the next months, next few years, I guess, is probably the main uh, curve there. Because, of course, if if younger users also aren't quite going into the Facebook ecosystem in the first place either, that's going to make a big difference too. My hope you've uh, somewhat enjoyed or, or found some value out of my uh, extended sort of rant discussion uh, about this this shifting nature of how privacy is working online how how I think Apple is is fighting on our behalf in in a lot of ways and uh, yeah it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out and and how that's that adoption process takes place for sign in with Apple when it launches later this year uh, and and how the other companies respond to it. Uh, until then, I guess, uh, you know, we'll, we'll learn more. But, uh, of course, you know, I'm here creating these shows and I hope uh, that you get some sort of value out of these sorts of discussions. I'm definitely going to be changing up a little bit of of the ways in which I play with the, the Jetpacks or overrated format. Um, so please give me some feedback if you found this uh, interesting or insightful or completely balmy or useless. Um, send me a message on Twitter. I'm at Seamus or, of course, find all my other shows as well at Biteside.com. Uh, this show is part of 
the Biteside Podcast Network. Uh, and uh, yeah, hopefully you can uh, stick around and I will have more for you again real soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 